Inside Florida Politics, powered by Gannett. More vaccine favoritism questions, a controversial elections bill, and lots of federal stimulus money coming into Florida. I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor Zach Anderson, and those are some of the stories I'll be discussing today with my colleagues John Kennedy and Gannett's Florida Capitol Bureau and Antonio Finns of the Palm Beach Post. It's Thursday, March 11th, and we have a lot to get to, but first... Music means it's pick a number time. Do you have some numbers for us this week, gentlemen? How about you, John? I sure do, Zach. Zach, my number this week is a not so even dozen. It's twelve point two. Twelve point two. All right. And how about you, Antonio? Well, John went low, so I'm going high with three hundred and sixty-five. Three sixty-five, and my number is forty-seven. Remember those numbers, folks. We'll tell you what they mean in Florida politics at the end of the show. Well, a vaccine clinic that Governor Ron DeSantis pushed for in Lakewood Ranch is continuing to cause headaches for him. First, there was outrage over the clinic being limited to residents of two wealthy zip codes. Then one of the clinic organizers, Manatee County Commission Chair Vanessa Baugh, found herself the target of a criminal investigation after she created a vaccine VIP list that included herself and Lakewood Ranch developer Rex Jensen. Now, text messages have come out between Baugh and Jensen discussing how the event would be good for DeSantis politically. Baugh talks about the 2022 election being right around the corner. Uh, Antonio, this is some of the clearest evidence that politics may be driving some of the decisions on when and where to hold these vaccine pop-up clinics. Is that a problem for the governor? Well, yeah, first of all, Zach, I think the reporting on this story is yet again proof positive of why local journalism is so critical to our community. These stories were not brought to life by the national news organizations, but by state-based news news, uh, papers and and websites. And in that regard, our listeners should know that you yourself were on the lead on this, and the rest of us reporting on are kind of following up on the story that you first brought to light. Now, here's what I've been hearing from my sources and people who are reaching out to us. This is a problem for the governor for a particular reason. Namely, it erodes his Florida first populist appeal. Recall that at last month's CPAC meeting, the governor declared the end of the quote-unquote Republican establishment of yesteryear. Now, the governor didn't define that establishment, but the implication clearly was a rejection of the old pro-business, pro-big business, globalist GOP label. In regards to the pandemic and his state of the state speech, the governor restated a theme of many of his daily briefings, that he has kept the economy open for working, for everyday working people, the Floridians who live paycheck to paycheck. That is a theme that you can expect the governor to carry through into the 2022 election year. Now, so the idea that there has been favoritism toward wealthy exclusive and these big donor communities like Lakewood Ranch and the Ocean Reef Club down here in the Florida Keys, as the Miami Herald reported, is not good. That it turns out these communities are donors to DeSantis and the GOP makes it worse. And now that there are these so-called smoking gun communications showing that, in fact, political considerations with an eye toward the governor's 2022 re-election we're at play makes this a scandal that isn't going away. And that will be a campaign issue next year. It doesn't help either that this story has been juxtaposed against efforts by President Biden and Democrats in Congress to pass a $1.9 trillion stimulus bill. That bill is very working American focused with $1,400 checks and tons of money for vaccination efforts. Despite that, Republicans in Congress, including every Republican in Florida's delegation, by the way, 
voted against a measure calling it an extravagance that isn't necessary. U.S. Senator Rick Scott even called on America's mayors and governors to reject the money, even though polls show that almost 70% of voters surveyed support the legislation, including just over 50% of Republicans. Now, remember a few weeks back, I said that the long-term impact of this would be, this story would be determined by whether the Lakewood Ranch example you first reported, Zach, was an isolated instance or a pattern. Well, it's becoming a pattern and with political calculations now clear. So expect Democrats and others to argue that today's Republican leadership is really no different than that Republican establishment of yesteryear that the governor so disdains. But my question actually to you guys is, you know, you've been at the forefront of this coverage. You, you follow us a lot closer. You know, the governor this week announced that the opening for vaccines for all is very near. He's going to go to 60 and over starting Monday and then 55 and over after that and then just going to be there, everybody. And I, I'm wondering, do you think this is the governor's response to all this, that, that perhaps just open it up and then anyone can get it and theoretically there is no favoritism? Well, I, I certainly think as this uh, pandemic goes on or as the vaccine rollout goes on and it becomes easier to get uh, the vaccine that, uh, you know, the governor is certainly hoping that this dies down. Uh, but the, the bottom line is, is that vaccines were extremely scarce for a while and and they, and they still are to to a large degree i mean uh if you opened it up to to everyone there would still be a lot more people uh trying to get the vaccine than than vaccine available eventually uh that will will go away but um you know the vaccine is like a, a gold to a lot of people right now it's a life-saving drug i, I talked to somebody uh somebody emailed me they drove from Sarasota all the way up to Panama City because that's uh, you know where they could uh, get the vaccine. Uh, somebody else, uh, I was talking to uh, an editor at the paper and he mentioned that he knew somebody who drove from Florida to Alabama to get the vaccine. So the bottom line is this was a scarce commodity, it still is, and, and people want to see that it's being distributed fairly. Uh, and it's really interesting to see these text messages um, between Vanessa Baugh and uh, Rex Jensen, where they're talking about, you know, how this vaccine clinic is going to be good po politically for the governor and basically, you know, implying that this is this is, uh, you know, good publicity. And and it just raises the question about whether, um, you know, uh, some of these clinics are are really just, uh, you know, about public relations, about about um, getting uh, uh, allowing the governor to hold a press conference and gather TV cameras around him and uh, bring uh, making it seem like he's personally uh, delivering vaccines uh, to certain communities that that might be politically beneficial to him uh, in the um, in the next uh, election cycle, and and this is as one person said um, in my article this week. This is you know people have suspected that there was politics involved, but these text messages put it in black and white. I mean, these are literally people talking about the 2022 election uh, in text messages. So, um, you know, it, it's not the governor talking about it, but it's his his allies and the people who were organizing the vaccine clinic. So th they certainly saw this through a political lens. Uh, that's my take on it. Any thoughts, Sean? Well, I think that's it. It's It crystallizes what a lot of people have been suspecting for a long time. And there's still a mass number of people out there that are struggling to get vaccines, whether it's because of, you know, uh, no computer access or uh, distance from a vaccine site, 
just a lot of wherewithal to uh, get through the uh, state's program or their local county uh, health department to try to figure out how to get on a list. It, it is kind of complicated. It seems like every time I write something about the vaccine, I get a number of calls and emails from retirees, mostly around Florida, that um, are, are struggling and wondering, uh, you know, how do I do it? So there is a, a division. And uh, what you're seeing from the governor's actions seems to certainly imply that at the very least, his supporters see a real benefit to him getting vaccines to those who are going to either vote for him or donate to him. I think that, um, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the governor, uh, Vanessa Ball this week, she she sort of she sort of pushed back and said, no, it's the people who are scrutinizing these clinics who are being political. You know, Nikki Freed, a Democrat, has jumped on this and has attacked the governor. And and so this is all getting kind of caught up in the. In, in the politics of the state and, and the the back and forth between uh, you know Democrats and Republicans and and people looking ahead to the 2022 election, but there is a fundamental question here about fairness and whether it is being this vaccine is being distributed fairly and whether anybody is being favored over uh, another group and 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 those are very legitimate concerns to to bring up when you have this drug that could uh, be life saving for people. But Vanessa Ball is right. The 2022 election is right around the corner and Florida Republicans uh, don't want it to look like the 2020 election in key ways, namely in how mail voting will work. A controversial bill that would ban mail ballot drop boxes and make other changes to Florida's absentee voting system advanced in the Florida Senate this week. John, you covered that hearing local election uh, uh, local elections officials, many of them Republicans, including um, very conservative uh, Republican, uh, who's now uh, the elections supervisor uh, in Lake County, Alan Hayes. One of he was really one of the most conservative Republicans in the Florida legislature when he was there. Uh, he was he was speaking out against this this bill uh, opposing uh, these changes, but lawmakers seem to be going ahead with it anyway. Why do you think that is? Well, it seems Florida Republicans are, are doing their part, just like uh, we're seeing from Republican lawmakers in dozens of states right now who have introduced hundreds of bills that create new challenges for voters and uh, make changes that are seen as really reducing the likelihood of lower income, younger and uh, minority voters from casting ballots. That's, uh, that's basically a key part of the Democratic voting base. Um, here, Republicans want to do away with ballot drop boxes, which they insist without any proof are not secure. They don't want to uh, do away with mail-in voting, period, but they do want to reduce the amount of time that a request for a mail ballot is valid from uh, two general election cycles currently to one general election cycle. And so John, that, John, let me ask you about that, because that's that's interesting. I mean, uh, what? how would that affect people? I mean, basically, uh, th there potentially would be a lot of people who might not vote because of that. I mean, if you get the ballot in the mail, uh, you're more likely to return it, right? And That's so the, all these yeah. ballots that are coming to people, they're more likely to vote. Otherwise, they have to be proactive about requesting a ballot or going to vote in person, right? That's right. Uh, you know, it's just one more hurdle that uh, potentially from the view of uh, Republican legislators, I think, uh, you, you know, is is one more thing that may discourage people from voting if they don't get a mail-in ballot. Uh, it also means that all 4.8 million voters who cast votes by mail in November would now have to make the request again next year. 
they didn't think they'd have to do that last year when they signed up for one. Uh, so for elections officials to send out notices to voters on this and process those applications, the elections officials themselves are saying it's going to cost $16 million statewide. Um, and all this is clearly designed to reduce the likelihood that Democratic voters, 45% of whom voted by mail last year, compared to 31% for Florida Republicans, that they will not vote next year and maybe won't vote in the next uh, presidential contest uh, in uh, 2024 just because they're not getting a ballot and they have to you know, go through another uh, rigmarole to get one. But for, for Governor DeSantis, Next year is his real horizon right now, and he's endorsed these voter changes. For him, the numbers are real because under current law, the number of people who expect to get a mail ballot next year already leans overwhelmingly Democratic. Uh, it, in, in fact, Democrats hold what, what, what I consider a stunning 812,474 voter lead over Republicans in mail ballot requests from 2020. So DeSantis knows that. And uh, th these are numbers that are clearly evident on the uh, Division of Elections website. And uh, DeSantis wants to see that dis disadvantage erased. And the best way to do that? Well, it's th this legislation that makes everybody go back and request a mail ballot. The idea is that many of those hundreds of thousands will not do it and will not vote in 2020, helping uh, 2022. Uh, that'll help the governor's reelection chances, presumably. But the, uh, the, the efficiency of the last elections in Florida uh, is making it very hard for Republicans to speak up in favor of these changes because they, they really don't make much sense, except politically. Uh, only one Republican spoke at the hearing I attended this week on uh, doing away with drop boxes and changing uh, mail ballot laws. And that was uh, State Senator Joe Gruters. Uh, he, he was on the committee, and he's also the chair of the Florida Republican Party. Uh, one Republican who said it was going to be chaos is, as you pointed out, Zach, the former state senator, Alan Hayes, who is now the Lake County election supervisor. He saw no reason for the legislation, but going forward in this session, it doesn't seem likely that uh, Republicans are going to rise up against the governor and the national trend within their party, which you know is struggling with uh, shifting demographics and uh, Trump's alienating of a very large base of uh, independent voters. All that is making it you know, increasingly difficult for the Republican Party to win elections going forward, even though now they control a majority of state houses in this country. So uh, with that control, the best way to retain power is by changing the rules. And uh, what we're seeing in Florida and other states uh, is, is, is just that. And uh, redistricting next year is going to make it even more uh, of, a, of a focal point. And that's going to be, you know, wildly political with Republicans trying to maintain control of seats, even as they have a shrinking share of the electorate. It's a it's a pure numbers game. Antonio, what do you think is driving this bill? Well, you know what? I think John laid out the uh, the factors pretty succinctly and clearly. But, you know what, gentlemen, there, there's another twist to this that I, I've heard quite a bit about in the past week. And that, in short, is that these election integrity legislative issues are really, to a certain extent, playing to the audience of one former President Trump. Uh, here's what Terry Rizzo, the former Democratic Party chair, Florida Democratic Party chair, said uh, this week. She, she told me, you know, quote, unquote, you know, what are we trying to fix? What are they attempting to do? What they're attempting to do is push the false claim of fraud, 
which is perpetuated by Donald Trump over and over again, and many of the Republicans have now bought into, end quote. Now, let's go back to the record on who said what when. At the start of this month, Governor Ron DeSantis took a victory lap on the highly successful 2020 election in his State of the State speech. Um, and he said, you know, that the state of Florida ran perhaps the most transparent and efficient election in the country in 2020. And he said even people are actually asking, why can't these other states do as well as Florida? The governor then raised the ghost of two, the 2000 presidential election in the state uh, in calling for these election changes, like the ones that John just delineated. And he said, quote unquote, that we need to stay ahead of the curve. But, you know, that, that reference to the 2000 election disaster is an odd reference. And the reason is because that mess was rooted in poor ballot design, including the punch card ballots that fueled the whole hanging Chad legal war and the Palm Beach County butterfly ballot that confused voters, including a bunch of thousands uh, that voted for Pat Buchanan, but meant to vote for Al Gore. Now, much can can be said about the 2018 fiasco that we just witnessed a little bit under three years ago. And that stemmed from a confusing ballot design in Broward County and malfunctioning voting, vote counting machines in Palm Beach County. So basically what this comes down to is that Florida's election embarrassments in national and statewide you know, contests have been due to poor ballot construction and county capabilities and not the rules governing how people vote. And what is also mistakable is that the issue of election fraud in Florida and elsewhere was a non-issue until former President Trump really began raising it. And the seminal moment was in late July of last year when the president called for suspending the 2020 elections because of the pandemic and concerns about mail-in voting. At the time, that statement got immediate pushback from DeSantis and national Republicans. You know, DeSantis that very day was at the, pre at the space, on the Space Coast holding a briefing and when you know he was when he was asked about Trump's comments, you know, DeSantis looked perplexed and even said, "Wait a minute!" He asked for the election to be delayed. I mean, he was almost, you know, incredulous. And then, um, you know, he went out to defend Florida's mail-in balloting process, saying the state does not mass mail ballots to every address, regardless of whether voters had asked for one or not. You know, he said that's not what we do in Florida. And then he said Florida has vote by mail. You can request a ballot; it is sent to you. There's verification. And it's a process that I think has worked. I support Florida's system. That's what the governor said. Now, wait a minute. Eight months later, DeSantis and Florida Republicans are just falling over themselves to warn of impending disaster in Florida's electoral systems. Even though our systems are strong and there was no evidence of widespread fraud elsewhere last year. Further casting doubt is that, by the way, that Trump himself planned to vote in Tuesday's municipal election with an absentee ballot <laughs> that was picked up by somebody, which to me sounds like ballot harvesting, but wait, you know what? Let's, let's not go there. Let's not politicize this, but I'm just, I'm just saying. So here's what a voting rights group advocate just told me this week. He said, you know, we're living in a moment where some of our leaders at the state level and nationally are only responding to the interests and whims of one person. Now, you could argue that maybe those of us here in South Florida, and particularly at the Palm Beach Post, we're just conditioned to think everything revolves around the so-called mayor of Mar-a-Lago. But the rhetorical record on election reforms, folks, is a bit compelling. Yeah, I don't think uh, you know you can discount the influence that Trump has on on all of this. Um, you know, and uh, you guys. 
uh, you know, the great irony, as you guys at the Post reported uh, this week, Antonio, is that uh, Trump has uh, taken advantage of, of mail voting. But this also, as John mentioned, does, um, you know, pol- uh, potentially have some political advantages for the governor. So that's also a big issue to watch. Uh, going forward here. Well, while Florida Republicans are pushing election changes, Republicans up in Congress were voting against a $1.9 trillion COVID-19 stimulus bill pushed by President Joe Biden. The bill advanced through the U.S. House Wednesday with every Republican voting against it. It cleared the Senate earlier on a party line vote and will be signed by Biden on Friday. Antonio, polling shows that this bill is popular uh, including among lower income Republicans, aren't those the people that Trump has tried to to cultivate that working class uh, voter? Does does the party run the risk of alienating these voters by opposing this stimulus bill, or do you think the the GOP depiction of this bill as a liberal wish wish list will will resonate? Well, we are going to find out pretty soon here in Florida. You know, no sooner the House of Representatives passed that modified legislation from the, the that came back from the Senate. Then the White House announced that President Biden will be traveling to Pennsylvania to tout the legislation. And that Vice President Harris will travel to to three key states next week to also champion the stimulus relief package. So here's my question. Will either of them or both come to Florida to tout the legislation? That is an intriguing question in light of the 2020 election results in Florida and discussions about whether this state is now a red state and a bridge too far for Democrats. The legislation also pits two very different worldviews here. On one side, you have Democrats, including Florida's congressional Democrats, essentially arguing that this is a public health and economic crisis that is so monumental, only help from the national government can pull the country out of it. From distributing vaccines to offering unemployment assistance, the federal government, they say, is the one that needs to lead the way. Then you have the DeSantis populism that I referenced earlier, the idea that working people are best left to go to work and make their own decisions about the health risk, including even whether to wear a mask. So clearly the line on the beach sand has been drawn here. And on Wednesday, congressional Democrats like Penn Deutsch and Lois Frankel were clearly on message talking about how the legislation will put vaccines in arms and money in pockets. And Republicans are calling for rebellion. I mentioned earlier the letter that Senator Scott sent to mayors and governors urging them to reject the money. So this is high stakes and the health of the country is on the line, so is the health of the economy. So to answer your question, I think it comes down to who will get credit for the end of the pandemic when that end arrives. Will it be Biden and the congressional Democrats or DeSantis and Florida Republicans? The jury is still very much out on that. And the answer may well depend on messaging. Who is most effective in arguing their efforts brought the end to this nightmare for so many Americans and Floridians, which is why I'm really looking to see whether Biden or Harris shows up in Florida and uh, and how often, because if they do not, they would be yielding the arena to DeSantis. Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, the jury is still out on this. I mean, just because this bill is popular now doesn't mean that it will stay popular. And the GOP seems to be, um, you know, rallying around the idea that they can change uh, people's views on this bill through their messaging. Well, we'll move on to some numbers here. John, you had a 12.2. I did, Zach. Uh, 12.2 is $12.2 million. And that's what Governor Ron DeSantis has on hand in his political spending committee. That's uh, known by the not-so-original title, Friends of Ron DeSantis. So the uh, governor's friends, who, of course, uh, include some of the state's 
biggest uh, business associations and uh, individual donors, uh, some of whom were big Trump contributors and typically both uh, state and national givers to the Republican Party and its candidates. Uh, also, as we've gotten to learn through some good reporting, even some people who were uh, early vaccine recipients, thanks to the governor's uh, pop-up sites in some pretty well-heeled communities. But the uh, the bottom line on this uh, bottom line is that it's uh, very good to have this kind of cash well more than a year and a half away from his re-election date with voters in November of 2022. Uh, that money, 12.2 million, is pretty formidable. It's uh, it's going to make a, an already underfunded Florida Democratic Party wary. And uh, it's probably even going to make uh, the Biden White House and national Democrats feel that this Republican of governor, governor of Florida, who is, uh, you know, building his brand as a potential heir to the Trump machine, if he wants to make a White House bid of his own in 2024. Well, th th this early nest egg of money is going to make him very hard to challenge in Florida next year. And uh, he's got plenty of time to keep raising money. Um, now, DeSantis keeps burnishing his image. Uh, last week, he invited Fox and Friends uh, co-host Brian Kilmeade to spend a, a day with him and uh, at the governor's mansion and beyond. Uh, you can imagine a, 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 what what emerged was a very flattering portrait of a uh, take charge, uh, no regrets governor. Um, so stories like that on a national stage are just going to earn him, you know, maybe more friends of uh, Ron DeSantis with uh, more money to pour into that spending committee. Uh, that that twelve point two million dollars is uh, is pretty certain to grow. All right, Ron DeSantis getting showered with money from his friends during the pandemic. Antonio, your number is three hundred and sixty-five. Tell us about that. All right, guys. Well, I have been talking about that no holds barred mayoral mayoral race in Delray Beach for the past few episodes, and I noted, for example, that there was this mini Democratic civil war. Uh, even though it is a nonpartisan race, uh, partisan politics were very much at play in this as uh, Democratic precinct leaders broke ranks to side against the incumbent mayor, who is a Democrat, and in support of a challenger who was a Republican until the day after she registered to run uh, for the Delray Beach mayor spot. Now, I also talked about how about all the PAC money that had been poured into this mayoral race and, you know, and how Democrats feared it was part of this larger GOP playbook move to squeeze blue elected leaders out of key government posts in blue cities. Well, I am here to report the results that incumbent mayor Shelley Petrolia won the race, fending off a spirited challenge from Tracy Caruso by a total of 365 votes. That it was, it was that close, just 365 votes. Now you're all thinking, great, Antonio can stop talking about the mayor's race in Del Rey. But no, because there is another set of interesting numbers here. Namely, the mail-in votes. Petrolia won on the strength of her voters that mailed in votes. She had, she won 4,000, she had 4,068 mail-in votes to Caruso's 3,325. Now you see where I'm going with all this. You know, you know what's going on in Tallahassee. We've just been talking about it with the legislation to curb mail-in voting. I should mention that Tracy Caruso is married to Republican State Representative Mike Caruso. And that Tracy Caruso is said to be tight with the Trumpets uh, fan club that hang out a lot at Mar-a-Lago. So, gentlemen, you guys cover Tallahassee very closely. How long do we give this before the role of mail-in voting and the outcome of this close election in Delray Beach becomes a battle cry for the mail-in voting legislation to, to curb 
million voting at the state capitol. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but I do know uh, that mail-in voting affects races up and down the ballot, as you just illustrated here. I mean, there's a lot of people who will be watching this closely. All the the local uh, party officials are, uh, you know, have their efforts set up to um, to to get people to sign up for mail-in voting and then to get people to turn in those mail-in ballots. So they follow the rules around mail voting very closely. Um, so this this has big implications, not just for the governor's race, but all the way down. Well, my number is 47, as in 47% of Florida voters approve of the job U.S. Senator Marco Rubio is doing, according to a Mason-Dixon poll released this week. Rubio, of course, is up for election in 2022, so it's interesting that his job approval rating is not above 50%, which is where uh, uh, Governor DeSantis is uh, at this point. I think he's at was at 53% in the most uh, recent poll, which is a good sign for him heading into re-election. The, uh, the poll of Rubio's job performance found that 11% of voters aren't sure whether the senator is doing a good job or not, so that's a lot of people that he might be able to persuade or that his opponent might be able to persuade in the election, talking about messaging. However, the poll also found uh, Rubio leading against a generic Democrat with 46% support compared to 40% support for the Democrat. Mason Dixon said Rubio, quote, enters the campaign in decent shape, but not with an overwhelming advantage. The bottom line is that Rubio may be vulnerable, but it's likely uh, that would take a pretty strong opponent to knock him out. That wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank our audio production guru, Thomas Cordy, and thanks to all of you for listening. Stay safe. We're out of here.